This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski, and over the last few days, the Packers have made some key moves to continue to rebuild this roster and have it stay competitive for the upcoming season. Uh, but I do want to start by finishing up some of the Devontae Adams situation. Adams obviously got traded last week. We talked about that in our last podcast, but I want to make a couple things clear. The Packers realistically probably could not afford both Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers on their salary cap as early as next season, as the 2023 season. And the Packers would have been in a big pickle without any other real players to cut and any ability to really open up cap space. And so the future of the Packers would have been hindered in just one season's time. The other thing to take notice of is that Devontae Adams also mentioned that it was his lifelong dream to become a Raider. And he gets to do that now with his best friend at quarterback and Derek Carr. And you would want that for anybody, especially a guy who has given so much to the Packers organization. And it's not like we let him go over there for free. The Packers were very well compensated, especially considering that Deshaun Watson, an elite QB, just got two more first-round draft picks than the Devontae Adams trade. And then what makes the Adams deal seem pretty fair, especially after seeing the draft picks that the Colts got for Carson Wentz and what the Falcons got for Matt Ryan, you know, like we got more for Devonta Adams than other people got for Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. And then think about a receiver that was recently traded. The Rams got a fifth round pick for Robert Woods. Okay. And so the Packers actually did get pretty good compensation for that trade. <clears throat> they couldn't afford that trade. And it's where Devontae Adams wanted to be, where he wanted to finish his career, and now he gets to do just that. Now moving on to the signings, Robert Tunyon re-signed with the Packers on a reasonable one-year $3.7 million deal. It does include a $1.75 million in incentives, which ideally it wouldn't have the incentives built into the contract, but luckily the only reason the Packers would have to pay those incentives, obviously, are if... Tunyon has an amazing season, and if he does, it will totally be worth it to pay that extra cash. The Packers needed to bring in one veteran tight end. I totally believe that. A guy who is a pass catcher and Tunyon knows and understands this offense, has a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers, and was a cheap answer for the Packers, and we've seen him produce. We saw him have the 10 touchdown season just two seasons ago, and we're going to talk about this more in depth in a future episode, but the only thing about this signing I don't like is the fact that the option... I preferred for the Packers was O.J. Howard, who signed a one-year, $3.5 million deal with $1.5 million in incentives. Very similar to the Tunyon deal, but even a little cheaper. And what I love about Howard is he's more athletic than Tunyon. He's a former first-round pick, was hidden on the depth chart in Tampa Bay behind Gronk, behind Cameron Brait. It isn't, and he is not coming off an ACL injury, which... 
Robert Tunyon is. And Howard ran even faster. He's even more athletic, even a better specimen than Tunyon is at the position. Howard ran a 4.51 40-yard dash. He had 34-inch arms, huge 10-inch hands, 6'6", 251 pounds. Great explosiveness, great agility. This guy, he's really a hidden gem. Even in 2018, in his second year in the NFL, he he had an elite season. He was at 90 receiving grade um, over there in Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston at quarterback. This was a steal of a move by the Bills, and the Packers should have easily been able to make this move happen. Hey, come to the Packers where there are no other legitimate options in this offense right now and where a nobody tight end uh, like Robert Tunyon led the league in touchdowns just two seasons ago. That could be you this year. Okay, that's a conversation you could have easily had. He's more athletic. He's bigger, faster, stronger than Tunyon. I don't know how you don't add Howard to your offense for a cheaper salary than what the Packers had to sign Tunyon for, and he's recovering from an ACL surgery, which he'll probably be fine recovering from, but that's a chance you don't have to take if you just go out and sign OJ Howard. The other signing was bringing back Rasul Douglas. This was important for the Packers to bring in a third cornerback they can trust. You need to be three deep at cornerback and have three guys you can rely on. This leads to the chance to have a top defense in the NFL because if you can stop the pass, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. And not many rosters have three guys they can go to, they can trust, like the Packers do now. The Packers could have went out and signed a different guy for sure, but they know Rasul uh, can excel in this defense as evident by last season. And it was a fairly reasonable deal, $7 million a year, up to about $8.25 million a year if he plays well. Again, always smart to build in incentive-based contracts. Really good move here. Um, by the Packers and this Packers defense is really starting to come together. And today I want to jump into a mock draft for the Packers. I think it's important we do this because we need to really start to begin to know these prospects. And now the Packers have an extra first and second round pick from the Devontae Adams trade. We really can start to speculate how we can fill out the rest of this roster. So for this mock draft, the Packers still have plenty of cap space, about almost $20 million now. And I have them going out in signing wide receiver Will Fuller. Will uh, Fuller, we've talked about a lot already, but he's one of the best deep threats in the NFL when healthy. He's coming off of injury, but the Packers have been interested in Fuller several times before. Uh, the Packers now are missing both a deep threat and a quality top receiver, and Fuller checks off both of those boxes. I like this signing instead of the MVS signing, mostly because Fuller can win in other ways consistently other than just winning deep down the field, while MVS has really only been a deep threat in his career. Fuller is a young receiver who is most likely willing to sign a one-year prove-it deal, and by coming to the Packers, Fuller would be for sure the Packers' number one option, if he can stay healthy, he would prove his usefulness to us and the rest of the NFL. I think he would have a very productive year in Green Bay with a lot of targets able to go his way, that's for sure. Then he would be able to have a huge cash in next offseason and probably get the biggest contract on the free agent market if he plays his cards right. This would be the best place for him knowing his injury history and the depth chart he would be walking into in Green Bay. So, in this mock draft, there are some position, positions I'm not going to attack, and here's why. One of them is quarterback. We don't need one, okay? My belief always is if you have one, 
especially an elite one, you don't need one. The way this is all going to go down when Aaron Rodgers finally does retire or gets traded is that the Packers are going to have to go into a full rebuild whenever that may be. Because when that day comes, the Packers will most likely have a pretty terrible record the following season and then will be in a spot to draft a quarterback high. That's what you should do, and the Packers are setting themselves up down the road to go into a full rebuild rebuild mode, and that's the way it should be done. The other position on offense I'm avoiding is running back. I believe the Packers really can only afford three roster spots at running back. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon automatically take up two, and one other guy should be taking uh, those extra snaps at that third running back spot. And most likely that player will be Kylan Hill who made the team last offseason. He suffered a season ending injury, but I expect him to still be the team's third running back on the roster. And in reality, even if you draft a running back, um, we like, and we're excited about it. He would probably be a waste of time because in his first two seasons, he would get almost zero playing time behind Aaron Jones and behind AJ Dillon. And then half of his contract would be wasted here in green Bay. On the defensive side of the football, I have the Packers avoiding linebacker and safety in this mock draft. The Packers could use depth at both of these positions for sure, um, uh, They, uh, but they still don't quote-unquote need either. They can get by without um, these guys, and the value really wasn't there for them to draft one in the later rounds as better players were available throughout the early rounds of the draft that could help this football team more drastically, not only this upcoming season, but for the long term as well. So for this mock draft, I looked at two of the most common media draft boards out there, including the Pro Football Focus draft board and the Draft Network's uh, board as well. Combining these two boards, I felt like I was able to accurately assess where players might fall and where the Packers could come through with the best team coming out of the draft. In round one, the Packers have two first-round picks because of the Devontae Adams trade, and the Packers start this draft by selecting offensive tackle Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. Raymond is one of my favorite players in this draft. This is a guy who has played the offensive tackle position for just two seasons after switching from tight end to offensive tackle just two years ago. And he was in the armor army in Austria and then came to America. In his second year as a starter, he, starter, he was the second highest graded offensive tackle in the country this last year. He is dream character, willing to take feedback, works harder than almost any other prospect in the draft. He's a heck of an athlete, Athlete, obviously starting out his college days as, as a tight end. He showed that at the combine. And because he really has only played a total of 18 games in college at left tackle, I think he can be flexible about playing right tackle for the Packers moving forward. And that's very important. Right now on the Packers offensive line, we don't have a starting right tackle on the roster after cutting Billy Turner. David Bakhtiari will be on the Packers for at least two more seasons at left tackle. And while Elton Jenkins could play right tackle, the switch from left to right is not always easy for players. And we've seen that more and more often now. Not to mention Elton Jenkins is coming off an ACL surgery and we can't rely on him. If I were the Packers, I would be re-signing Dennis Kelly to a veteran minimum contract. Kelly can start at right right tackle if Raymond is not ready right away. But if he is, Raymond has the upside to start at right tackle. And I think he can from day one and be really good. This would give the Packers a formidable duo at tackle while still having a dominant player like Elkin Jenkins on the interior, giving us a better and more impressive offensive line overall. Next, with my second first round pick, I would draft wide receiver Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. This 
again, was the highest graded receiver in the country last year. Nobody could stop this guy. He gets open. His release package is insane. Makes you miss the line of scrimmage. And it wasn't just last season. He's the second highest receiving grade among a group of five receivers since 2019. Okay, so over the last three years. His concern going into the combine was that he wasn't going to be extremely fast. But at the combine, he measured in at 5'10", 195, still ran a 4'4", decent jumps, good short shuttle. Um, and he had uh, 31-inch arms, giant hands, okay? He reminds me of Julian Edelman with his ability to get open quickly, but also reminds me of Antonio Brown as well. Um, you may think because he's 5'11", he's only a slot guy. He's not, okay? he's. I do not... I'm not concerned with him on the outside at all. I truly believe Sky Moore has the potential to be a go-to receiver for Aaron Rodgers with his route running ability. I think he could be a future wide receiver one. He's one of my favorite value additions in the entire draft amidst a very deep group of receivers, which here allows us to get him all the way back at pick 28, which is awesome for the Packers. The Packers then in the second round, because of the Adams trade, have two picks as well. And with their first pick, I have them selecting edge rusher David Ojabo out of Michigan. Ojabo should have been a for sure top 20 pick, but he tore his Achilles just last week at his pro day, which is so sad. It's very terrible to hear that about any prospect. And Ojabo is going to have a long recovery, anywhere from 4 to 12 months, which is Difficult to project where he will be at moving forward, but you're possibly talking about him sitting out his entire first NFL season. And this was an edge rusher who was already going to be sort of a development project at the position. He only played 26 snaps before this last year, and so he only has one season under his belt and now will most likely miss another. This is going to push him down draft boards for sure, and I want the Packers to take advantage of this. The Packers already have an incredible duo at edge rusher. We have the cap space to go out and sign a Whitney Merciless or Melvin Ingram, have the depth on the edge for this this season if we need it, but getting a guy like Ojabo could be game-changing for the Packers' future. In just one season, he earned 86.9 pass rushing grade, and he was even more elite on true pass rush opportunities with an 89.3 grade in those situations. He was okay as a run defender, 70.2 overall grade, but he has the balance, he has the bend, he has the explosiveness to be special, and we saw that at the combine where he ran a 4.55 40-yard dash, which is the 94th percentile, great explosive numbers, um, uh, and while he didn't do the three cone at the combine, his bend is obvious on tape. Not to mention, this guy has played football for less than five years of his life, okay? He moved to America at age 17, and this is why he's having such an incredible uptick in his performance in just one season. This guy reminds me of Rashawn Gary, but just even more production in college, okay, in just one season. And then Gojabo, even if he sits out this next season due to injury, and then is the third edge rusher in 2023, in 2024, he could take over for Preston Smith, similar to how Rashawn Gary did last season for Zedarius, and the Packers could have their future edge rusher position entirely figured out by making an investment now that will pay off big time in the future. And there's a chance that Ojabo can even heal faster. And if that happened, he could be helping out our football team a lot sooner even. And with the second pick in the second round, I have the Packers selecting wide receiver Christian Watson out of NDSU. Now, I know this is the same player I mentioned in last week's mock, but the more research I've done on Watson and seen where NFL teams are valuing him as a prospect, I believe the Packers could get him more like at the end of round two rather than near the top of round two. I'm predicting a sort of DK Metcalf Metcalf type of fall. So this works out perfectly in the Packers' favor. At six foot four, 208 pounds, 32 and a half inch arms, 10 and one eighth 
quarter inch hands. He's going to be a tough player to cover no matter where he is on the field. He was the FCS player of the year, even though he dealt with a hamstring injury last season, which hindered him, and he was still that productive. Finally, fully healthy at the senior bowl, he looked uncoverable at times there, which is huge coming from an FCS program, proving himself there at the senior bowl. Early on in his career, at the worst, he could be your MVS with his speed, with his ability to win, win deep down the field, get behind corners, but also he has the explosiveness to be a jet sweep guy as well. He tested absurdly well at the combine, 4 through 640, 38.5 inch vertical, 136 inch broad jump. He now pretty much has locked himself into the second round, uh, and this is where we're going to select him. He had an 89.5 receiving grade, final year at NDSU. But the thing that's kind of holding him back is, yes, he played the FCS program. He wasn't absurdly dominant always there, and that production will be concerning to some. Not to mention, he had a lot of issues with drops in college, and that'll be a big reason he's not a first-round player. But I think that hamstring injury held him back, or he would have been even just sensational this year. And this is a for sure long-term deep, deep threat replacement this Packers team will need. As I project, Will Fuller will most likely not be with the Packers in 2023 as he will demand a huge contract after a career year in Green Bay. I think Christian Watson can become Will Fuller, but even more as he was the 24th best receiver in college football last year when it came to yards after catch, averaging eight per reception. We need a yak guy in our offense, and Watson can be that from day one with his incredible athleticism. In round three, it's time to hit another senior bowl standout, and that's interior defensive lineman Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma. Winfrey played nose tackle at Oklahoma, but was very undersized, entirely misused during college. This led to lackluster performances in that Oklahoma defense, but Winfrey is built more like an Aaron Donald than a nose tackle, and he should be more like a three or possible five tech defensive lineman, not playing over the center as he is just 290 pounds. And we saw how he would perform at that new position at the Senior Bowl. His first step quickness was better than any other defensive lineman in Mobile. He's got long 35-inch arms, which is super advantageous as a pass rusher. And not only that, but even at just 290 pounds, he can hold his own in the ground game, but also get skinny and wreak havoc quickly in the backfield on every snap, which is sensational. He even took it to Zion Johnson, who is a surefire first-round pick. And even though he played out of position in college... Uh, Winfrey still the most pressures since 2020 by any interior defensive lineman in the Big 12 with 56. Winfrey has the potential to be truly special in the NFL if you play him at the correct position. He would be a huge upgrade over Dean Lowry. This would allow the Packers to have TJ Slayton at nose tackle, Kenny Clark and Winfrey at three tech spots, and then with Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith coming off the edge. This would be an ideal front five, giving the Packers one linebacker, with Devondre Campbell and give the Packers an obvious, easy starting nickel defense with safety Savage, Amos, and the trio of cornerbacks Jair, Douglas, and Stokes. Okay, this is an ideal defense right there. That's your nickel defense. That's your base defense on first and 10, second and five. Any running, any time where there's an actual chance that opponent may run the ball, but any on any third and long, Perion Winfrey doesn't have to come off the field. That's when TJ Slayton comes off the field and we bring in another safety or we bring in another, another linebacker, okay? That's what I want to see. And it, to get a player of this caliber in the third round, third round could be a huge upgrade for what's already seeming out to be an, a dominant 
Packers defense possibly this season. I like Winfrey a lot, and I see you can never say you're going to find Aaron Donald again. Okay, he his if you look back at his draft profile, it doesn't make sense why he turned out to be as good as he did, except of how fast his first step was. And that's what I see from Perry on Winfrey. And I see a guy who played out of position in college and you don't really understand how good he can be because you didn't get to see it in college. But I think there's hope that he could do that in the NFL. And that's a guy I take a chance on because if you were to ever find an Aaron Donald again, you're going to have one of the best football teams in the NFL pretty much automatically. In round four, the Packers have two picks, one of which is the compensatory pick the Packers received from the Corey Lindsley signing away last offseason. Another important reason to not take part in early free agency if you don't have to. And with the first pick, I have the Packers selecting wide receiver Justin Ross out of Clemson. Now, I realize the Packers signed Will Fuller. We've drafted two other receivers already, but as much as I want to be always correct in my evaluations, no GM is perfect and you cannot count on being perfect or you will find yourself in a rough situation. By drafting three receivers, you are giving yourself options in case one or two of them need more time to develop or even if an injury occurs. Justin Ross is very different though than the other receivers the Packers drafted. And Ross his first season in college, he looked like one of the best receivers in football as a true freshman in 2018. Back that up with another solid season in 2019, but in 2020, he had a neck surgery that forced him to miss pretty much the whole season. In 2021, he was still recovering, so he didn't have a great season. And on top of that, he was dealing with a much worse quarterback situation with Trevor Lawrence no longer in the picture. The neck injury really hurt Ross's draft stock big time. People are worried if he can return to form after that neck injury. I believe he can. He's still young. He had his best season as a true freshman. He was playing as good as T Higgins T Higgins was in that offense. And Ross is a unique addition because of his size. He's six foot four, two hundred eight pounds, massive wingspan allows him to be a huge target. And even with his size, he's a fairly good route runner. He has an ability to sink his hips better than most people at his height. And I see him similar to what T Higgins has been for the Bengals so far in his career. That big threat, possession type of receiver over the middle of the field, kind of catching traffic type of guy. He's definitely slower than desirable. He did not have a good pro day. He did not put up good numbers. His percentiles are pretty low, but I think he's still worth taking a chance on because of his freshman year production. And I really like the depth chart the Packers just created. They have Will Fuller as their deep threat, number two type of wide receiver. Sky Moore is their complete wide receiver, go-to guy for Aaron Rodgers because of his savvy route running ability. Christian Watson as our yak guy, another deep threat. And then Justin Ross as a flyer you take as a possession receiver, big threat over the middle. You know, maybe Robert Tunyon isn't ready to play. And when we, we'd rather have a four receiver set with Justin Ross going over the middle than Mercedes Lewis at the tight end position. Randall Cobb is still there, Rodgers best friend, the true slot receiver, and then Alan Rizard, the run blocking, play action type of wide receiver, another trusted uh, friend of Aaron Rodgers. Now the Packers are 60 bat receiver, will have a lot of different types of talents to work with. And with the second pick in the fourth round, I have the Packers selecting Zach Tom, interior off- uh, offensive lineman out of Wake Forest. In college, Zach played left tackle. He was amazing in his final season, 92.1 pass blocking grade. But because of his because of his arm length, he will change into an interior offensive lineman moving forward. 
Tom's an older prospect. He turns 23 later this week, but I truly believe is still worth taking because of his elite athleticism. The Packers need interior offensive lineman depth after losing Lucas Patrick, who could play center and both guard spots. Zach should be able to do the same as he played his first two seasons at Wake Forest as a starting center before moving to left tackle and having really, really good play in his final two seasons. His athleticism, his production in college show that he should have a future in the NFL. And for getting a guy like that at the end of the fourth round to back up center and both guard spots is huge for the Packers. Then in round five, I have the Packers adding one final offensive lineman. And I know this is a lot of guys, but you have to have depth. And this guy is Cordell Volson out of the NDSU. He's not a special athlete by any means. He's coming from an FCS program, but his play in college speaks for itself. He was a three-year starter, finished 2021 with an elite 89.2 overall PFF grade, six foot six, almost 34-inch arms. He's an ideal tackle in the NFL, and with those types of numbers and on-the-field play, he's worth taking a chance on developing. With Volson in the mix, the Packers now are 10 deep on the offensive line. They would have David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Yas Nijman to back him up. Elkin Jenkins at left guard, J.R.J. at right guard, and Royce Newman to back both of those guys up, okay? And Royce Newman started all last season, but I think J.R.J. is the better player we saw over the last 10 weeks of the season. He was the 10th best pass blocking interior offense lineman in the NFL over those 10 weeks, okay? J.R.J. is the better player than Royce Newman right now, and I would like Royce Newman to be the backup if Elkin Jenkins and J.R.J. are both healthy. Josh Myers at center, and then with Zach Tom to back him up, and even Zach Tom to put some pressure on Josh Myers because if Josh Myers doesn't improve, Zach Tom at his age with his elite athleticism could push for Myers' job. And then Bernard Raymond at right tackle with Dennis Kelly to back him up, and now Volson as well to be our primary backup. Uh, our, he'd be our last offensive tackle. He probably wouldn't play one snap at all this season, but in 2023, he would become our primary swing tackle with Yash Nijman moving on to free agency and Dennis Kelly probably retiring at that point in, in his career. You can never have too many quality offensive linemen. And we saw this year how many starters went down and for different types, different times, and you need to have quality backups. And I'm ensuring this entire offense has the depth it needs to continue to be special with Aaron Rodgers around. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers can get the football out quick. He's really good at it. Yet there are times when he needs more time and he can be really special when he has that extra time. So we want to make sure he has one of the best pass blocking offensive lines in front of him. And this is a way for us to do that. Then finally, the Packers don't have a selection in round six, but they have three in round seven, compensatory pick, a trade, and then their original. And the first player of the Packers selecting is edge rusher Amari Barno out of Virginia Tech. Barno was the talk of the combine when the edge rushers went because at six foot six, 245 pounds, he ran a 4.36 40-yard dash, a 10-yard split of 154, which is insane. Okay, this type of athleticism, that type of speed is unheard of as height and weight. This is the fastest time by an edge rusher since 2003. Barno is another developmental edge rusher for the Packers, and because of his weight and speed, the Packers could also use him to drop into coverage every now and then, and he wouldn't be a liability either to throw off opposing offenses as well, which gives him some versatility the Packers could use from their current edge rusher group because the rest of the edge rushers are a little bigger, a little bit more of a liability if they were to drop into coverage. 
I really like taking a chance on this athleticism. Get him in the building. This would give the Packers in 2022 two starting edge rushers in Gary and Smith, adding a veteran edge rusher like a Melvin Ingram in case of injury, and then rookies Ojabo and Barno would be an ideal five deep set of edge rushers for the Packers. The next player I would select is cornerback Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State. The Packers we know are already three deep at cornerback, but you always need depth at the position. And currently the Packers really only have Shamar Jean Charles on the roster, who is only a pure slot corner because of his size. McCollum though is a guy who stood out even before the combine as a solid cornerback. He put together a very good season in 2021, but then at the combine, he backed that up with some incredible numbers, four through three, 40 yard dash. And we know Gutekunst loves fast 40 times. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, those are the guys he drafts now. And he had incredible explosiveness as well. Some top numbers like 39.5 inch vertical, 132 inch broad jump, great change of direction ability with a sub 6.5 three cone, sub four second short shuttle, all incredible numbers. The only ding for him is less is that he has less than 31 inch arms. Um, it's going to make him uh, a little tougher for him to cover. Uh, because of that, he doesn't have that length. Um, and that's why he's probably going to fall down draft boards is because of that lack of length. But in the seventh round, a great depth piece to add to your cornerback room and just honestly an athletic steal. And the last player I will mention is tight end Jelani Woods out of Virginia. Jelani is a huge man at six foot seven, 259 pounds. He is an easy target. One of the most important things that tight ends need is size and speed. And he has both of those things. He has a fast 40 time at his height and weight. He really can move four six one forty, which is pretty fast. Understanding how big of a human this guy is not to mention this guy has an insane wingspan over 34 inch arms, makes it very easy for him to make plays in traffic or with guys all over him, allowing routers to put the ball in only a place he could get it. Jelani came into college as a top 25 quarterback prospect, but moved to tight end during his redshirt season. And I don't like drafting tight ends, but if the Packers can pull off getting a guy with this athleticism, still truly owning and learning the position because he was a quarterback coming into college and he's coming off a productive senior year where he had an 82.8 receiving grade. He was first team all ACC. I like adding a guy like this late here in the draft and next season, next off season, no matter what happens with Tunyon, unless he has a bad season, we probably won't resign him. Mercedes Lewis will retire, and Dominic Daphne is a unrestricted free agent at that point, and that'll leave us with Josiah DeGuara and nobody else. We need to have future depth at the tight end position, and this is a way to do that late in the draft. And so the Packers, through this draft, will have zero holes left on the roster. We have depth at every position on offense, every position on defense, except maybe you could say linebacker and safety, but there are still guys we can add in free agency if we need to. We have the money now, okay? But there are a lot of special players the Packers can add to this roster with the 11 draft picks we now have, many of which could come in from day one, really make an impact. And a lot of these guys, I believe, could be centerpieces for the Packers even after Aaron Rodgers leaves, allowing the Packers to not have such a tough rebuild because they drafted well now in order to prepare for the future as well. So that's all we have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers Now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.